Hey, welcome back to my station. Um, this is Ashley, and um, I've got some knowledge to impart today. So, I was doing some thinking, and I've been on this whole, like, um, wonder of a child kick, you know. And um, especially since I interviewed my four-year-old, I, I learned a lot of things. Some things weren't on air, but um, I learned some things from her. And one of the things that I... I have five kids, so um, comparatively, the different stages that they're in in life really um, affects their attitude on things. You know, I've, I've got the four-year-old who's full of wonder and excitement. She sees a dog, the same dog, every single day, and it's like seeing that dog for the first time ever, every single time, and just the enjoyment out of, you know, just seeing him and him jumping around and the excitement she gets out of just playing with him. And then I have my seven-year-old who's starting to like come out of a shell with a, a really, you know, interesting personality. And he likes to laugh a lot and giggle. He's, uh, he likes fart jokes and, you know, saying funny words and, and, uh, fart machines and things like that. And, um, to him still, he can still be, Superman like in in his mind that's still an occupation that can exist and you know he's striving for that um then I have my 10 year old he's very science-based and uh he, he likes things to make sense and be logical um but at 10 years old he still has the idea in his mind that he's gonna cure cancer and win the Nobel Prize for doing it and I don't honestly believe the kid he he's actually looking at you know, books to, to look at different herbs and medicines and different things that react together. And he studies the periodic table of elements. He's not a normal 10 year old, but I'm so grateful to have him. Um, he reminds me of me when I was his age, really. We have so much in common. And he also has a, a fantastic side of him that believes in things like mythological creatures and, you know, things. And he, in his mind, those things could actually exist. Then I have my uh, my 13-year-old girl who's discovering herself in life and, and just uh, finding identity in this world at such a young age, the age where we know everything but literally nothing. And she, you know, she is uh, independent and, and discovering who she is and her identity and her personality is just so strong and, you know, there's... Uh, so much going on there in this little adulthood uh, of 13. And then I have my 14-year-old boy who's uh, one year closer to um, being an adult. And it's kind of scary because he's actually, nothing interests him anymore like it used to. You know, being Superman is not a possibility. And college is, you know, just right around the corner after high school. And and he's lost a lot of that wonder and that excitement about life. And now it's like, oh God, got to get a job one day soon. And I have homework and I have so many things that are just weighing me down. And, and so I just look at all the different stages of life through my children. Then I look at myself and, you know, I see my four-year-old look at the same dog every day. And be so excited by it. And I'm like, oh my god. 
I have to feed this dog and it costs money and I got to take him to the vet and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And, and I don't get that same wonder out of seeing the dog. Yes, he's so sweet and loving and I love holding him and he's special to me. Um, but it, it's just these, uh, adult things, the adulthood sets in on everything that my child has wonder about. And my seven-year-old with all the fart jokes, I'm like, oh, can we not? Can we not right now? Can we not pretend we're farting and blame it on somebody? It is not funny. I don't get it. I'm, I'm not amused by it. And then, you know, I just see how my, my seven-year-old just lights up at the fact that he just made everybody laugh. And sometimes I giggle a little too. But, um... That was this segment, and I guess I don't have enough time, so I'll continue in the next segment. Thank you for listening. Alright, so, um, back to my point about the childlike wonder, um, that children have and that as adults we lose, and, um, I remember reading this book called Sophia's World, and I recommend it. It's an introduction to philosophy, but in a fantastical way. Um, very fictional, but just really, I, I recommend it as a great read, uh, to open up your mind a little bit. It was talking about how different people would view a fantastical situation. So if I were in a room with my children and, um, all of a sudden something fantastical started happening, like the dog started floating up into the air. I would probably faint because I know that that's not logical. Something weird's happening. Um, this is not in my realm of comfort zone. I, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. I'm out. Okay. Then you have my 14-year-old uh, son who would probably be amused by it because it's a fantastical thing. But he would probably be living through his cell phone and in Facebook living it. Okay. So he's Facebook living. I'm passed out. My, my 13 year old girl would probably be like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is not happening. It's not happening. It's not really happening. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then once she's gotten over the, Oh my gods, um, she probably would be like calling her friends and telling them about it. Um, because she needs validation. All right, so then we move on to my seven-year-old son. The dog's floating in the air. I'm passed out. My 14-year-old has a Facebook Live going, and my 13-year-old son, I mean, my 13-year-old daughter is um, and talking to her friends on the phone and sharing this experience with them. Then you have my 10-year-old um, my son, who is now trying to figure out how the laws of gravity have changed and what can cause this to happen. So the dog's floating in the air and he's experimenting on him. Okay. Then you have my seven-year-old who is going over to the dog and touching him and pushing him a little bit. And as he moves, he's laughing and, you know, giggling and just amused by this whole thing. Then you have my four-year-old who cannot stop laughing and who's 
jumping in the air in excitement and running around and saying, I can fly, I can fly, even though her feet are on the ground. She can fly. All right, so you have all of these different perspectives of the same event happening. And this is the stages that we lose our wonder and we lose our excitement and we lose our, our childlike wonder. And um, so I just thought that that was really interesting that how different our personalities, our personalities and our perspectives can be when experiencing the same fantastical event or any event in any matter. A child looks, like I said, at uh, a dog that they see every single day as such an amazing experience. And to them, it's a fantastical event. This furry creature is looking my face and I love it. And then as an adult, you look at it from a different perspective. Like I have to feed this wonderful creature that I love and have grown to love as a part of my family, but it is still a bill that I have to pay, take him to the vet, those types of things. Um, so where do we lose that childlike wonder? Where do we lose that? Can we get that back? Is it something that we can harness and we can tap into? Can I not be the adult who faints at a fantastical event, but instead running around with my feet planted firmly on the ground thinking that I can fly? And believing it, not being inauthentic about it, but really just harnessing that childlike wonder? Can I harness that in my daily life and find more enjoyment out of things that I hate? Going to work every single day, dealing with the same customers every single day. I tell you what, I did that one day, yesterday. I was able to harness that childlike wonder, and I loved it. I was happy. See you in the next episode. Bye. So, I have been doing this thing where um, I've been trying to get my childlike wonder back. And it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It is hard being an adult trying to delve into that. Um, first, I started with things like, what do kids like to do? Oh, I'm going to build a pillow fort. I wasn't ready for that. Don't start with that. Um, so there are some actually some things, some exercises and things that you can do to start getting that childlike wonder back. Um, I was able to harness it enough yesterday at work to really tap into it and just be happy at work for once in a long time where I do, I love to spread positivity and light and that is my goal. I'm a light bringer and I like uh, spreading that. My fault as an adult is when someone tries to come in and put that light out and I'm immediately offended or saddened or depressed. Why? Why? It takes so much to get my four-year-old down that, uh, down a, a upset, uh, spiral. And even then, the thing that can brighten any day, any time, no matter what, even if it's a shot from the doctor, Skittles, yes, the rainbow, my friend, the rainbow of Skittles and that wonderful tasty treat can change her entire day from, oh my gosh, I just got a shot and it hurts at the doctor and crying and horrible, horrible, everything, life is just the worst, to the best day ever, I'm tasting the rainbow. Um, 
I'm not recommending eating Skittles to change you into a child. It's not a magical pill. But um, just getting that it doesn't have to be the end mentality and something really great clinging to positivity can actually change your entire day. So um, one thing as a very analytical adult that I do is I compare all the time. What I was doing, and I noticed that I was even doing this a little bit more and more and more and more and more as I grew up. And I was comparing to things and people who had things better than me. One, um, my sister, I have always felt has just breezed through life. Yes, she's worked very hard to get to where she is, so no fault against her. But as far as uh, she had very amazing opportunities that I didn't have growing up. Um, my dad and stuff was just in a different place when she was a little bit older than I was when I was older and I just didn't get some of those same opportunities. So I'm like, man, my sister has an amazing job. She has so much money. She can do whatever she wants. She has so much fun. She's beautiful. Like I'm just always com comparing myself to the things I don't have and the things that I want. Oh, this person out there, even people that I work with, I'm like, oh, this person is so successful. And here I am just trying to figure things out. I'm so angry every day. I go to work every day angry. Um, not really angry, but I always have this mentality of I go into work and I know that I'm going to deal with that customer that really ruins my day. And I ruin my day before I even get in the car. And, and I've, I'm starting to not do that, you know. So comparatively, um, stop comparing to people who have it better. And instead compared to people who have it worse. So now I'm not looking at people who have more than me and who have things better than me and have situations where it's just amazing. Um, and if I do see that person and I find myself comparing, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold the phone. They still have problems going on. Maybe they're unseen problems that I don't see, but who knows? They could be dealing with a, a lot more than I could have ever imagined. The grass is not always greener. But I don't, I don't take myself down that rabbit hole of what problems could they have. Instead, I look at people who have real problems and I'm like, holy crap, this person is standing on the side of the road holding a sign that says homeless and needs food, regardless of if they're homeless or not. Because we can have that whole entire debate of this person could be, you know, in, have nice living, comfortable living, whatever. Oh, again, my time is up. Okay, well, I will continue into the next episode. See you in just a second. Bye. Okay, so back to Homeless Guy on the Street. Um, if you're just joining us, then I was saying um, don't compare yourself to someone who has things better than you. Compare yourself to someone who has things worse than you. Not to look down on them, not to feel like you're better than them, but be appreciative for what you have. Be appreciative for the things that were that you have that some people would kill for, literally probably kill for. And we were I was talking about how I compare myself to uh, coworkers or my f family members that have things better than me and instead now I can look at the person on the side of the road with a sign that says homeless and hungry and um and say wow, like this person would 
killed be in my position, regardless of the, like, there's a whole debate of whether some of those people are not really homeless or not, whatever. Who cares? Who, who cares? They're standing on the side of the road and whatever is dark enough in their life that's causing them to stand there and withstand ridicule and even people talking about them. It could be homelessness or it could be a drug addiction, whatever it is, whatever it is. I'm not standing there in their shoes doing that. And I'm sure those people look at the people driving by every day and like, man, I wish I was in a situation where I could just drive by and, and be fine and think life was fine, but instead I'm homeless and I have no food and I'm, I'm having to beg for it or the other side of the debate or I'm done this rabbit hole addiction that I have to beg for money because I can't afford my, my addiction of drugs or alcohol or whatever it is, or, um, I have to feel like, you know, I've, this is my life every single day doing this and, people stare at me and people ridicule me. Those people would kill to be sitting in my car driving by. I, I truly believe that. And most of them are homeless and most of them don't have enough. When I start comparing myself to people who don't have enough, I have more than enough. I have more than some of these people could ever dream of. I don't have a lot when I look at people who have more than me. God, some people have the most beautiful house and the most beautiful car and, and just all of these things. They can just spend money wherever they want. They go to Starbucks every day. I can't afford that. Are you kidding? But I have a home. I'm warm at night and I live in Florida, so it's warm most of the time. But last night it was 32 degrees and I didn't have to worry about freezing to death. I take some of those things for granted, but when I'm starting to find myself comparing to other people who have things better than me, and go in the opposite direction, I feel so much more grateful. I feel so much more grateful for the things that I have. I have a phone that I can talk to family on. And when I start going down that rabbit hole, it don't stop. I keep going and going, and it's a good rabbit hole to go down, just so you know. You you just think of all the things that you have, and you can go down to the most basic, basic thing. I can walk. Look at me, I'm walking. Some people have to get around in a wheelchair. I'm physically able to walk. What about this? I'm breathing. Some people didn't wake up this morning. I mean, you can go on and on and on and on and just think of all the things that you're grateful for. If you start your day like that, you will not have a bad morning. You will not. You can spill coffee and be like, oh, look at me. I just spilled coffee. At least I have another shirt to change into. Like, really, I'm, I'm serious. You you have to try this. It is it is almost like life changing, changing this perspective from comparing and analyzing all the things uh, that you don't have versus all the things that you do. So positivity is is a muscle. You have to start exercising it because uh, your go-to is negativity. As an adult, you've just been trained that way. And I see my children as, you know, 
through the different stages that they're at, they're being trained that way. And I have, it's my job to change it. Thank you for listening. On to the next segment. I'm thinking about writing a book. Um, I have so much to say and so much enlightenment, I guess, to share. Um, so I left off on, um, don't compare yourself with people who have better things better than you think. Compare yourself with people who don't have as much as you and, um, just be really grateful for the things that you have and don't ever think that I'm saying, look down on somebody who doesn't have what you have, but instead, instead appreciate the things that you have more because you have them and they don't and they could be sitting there comparing themselves to you and you don't even know it. Like, wow, she has a home to live in. Wow, she has food to eat. Wow, she does, she has children. I can't bear children, but she has five. Like those types of things, uh, people, believe it or not, someone at some point in time has compared themselves to you and thought that you had it better. Whether you think so or not, it's happened. I, tru- I truly believe that. And there's so much uh, happiness in being appreciative. And positivity, as I said, is a muscle and you have to exercise it as an adult. Our go-to is negativity. But when we start exercising that little positive muscle, it grows. And I've been doing that. And and, um, my goal as a light bringer is to spread positivity and light everywhere I go. And my podcast, this is my goal on my podcast, is to share... Um, with everyone, this um, existential enlightenment that I've uh, come across. And um, just being self-aware, I think, is a big thing. And finding yourself doing uh, bad habits, such as gearing towards negativity and comparing yourself uh, to people who have more. It's just a habit. We do it and... Uh, society gears us toward that, you know, television ads on TV, um, they, they make us want things that we don't have. It's part of advertising and marketing. Uh, strategy is to get you to buy things that you don't need, but you want because people who have more than you have those things. But what in life do we really actually need to be happy? I used to find myself, and and I I have a problem with uh, shopping. I'm a shopaholic. Uh, been sober for, <laughs> if I can say that, I've been a sober shopaholic for, I want to say like three or four years with a couple of uh, instances of spurt shopping, um, especially around Christmas. It gets bad. Don't want to talk about those dark times, but um my my go-to to make myself feel less empty inside when I compare is to buy things at the moment the void is filled because I'm like oh look at these wonderful things that I now have that I wanted the next day and still uh weeks later I find things that I bought and at that time had made me feel good and now I'm like oh my god I spent money on that why did I spend money on that it's it's a sickness, I know. It's really bad. Pray for me, please, because I sometimes I just don't know what I'm thinking. Um, but we all have something that fills that void. 
And if you look deep enough, you'll find it. You'll find that something that uh, temporarily makes you feel good. And, and then later on, you're like, why did I do that? Um, for some, it's, it's a really deep thing like drugs and alcohol. And for some others, it's, you know, something else. Shopping is still an addiction and still a problem for me. And I don't take it lightly at all because I could end up uh, on the side of the road asking people for money because I spent all my money on something. Like I, there's a definitive line where that can be crossed where I'm just as bad as a drug addict, um, honestly. And, um, and I have to keep actually a hold on that. And, you know, and at the same time, could be worse. So I always use that phrase, it could be worse, it could be in a worse position. And I take it as far as finding someone who I know who has it worse and literally comparing my life in that way. Um, this whole segment was just a re-segment of the last segment. So I'll move on to something next in the next segment. Thank you for listening. I heard someone once say that um, it's hard to find joy in the things that you do, that you have to do every day um, because they become mundane, even as someone who is like an artist or someone who who used to find joy in photography, let's say photography, we'll use that as an example, used to find joy and wonder in it and then um, it became a profession and it became something that they had to do and then had to conform to other people's um, standards and um, it no longer was fun. And um, to that I say it's because you are not able to draw out of it the same things that you once did because you now look at it as an everyday mundane responsibility. But if you looked at it again with that childlike wonder and went into every project or everything with that creative spark, uh, like a child does when they have a science project or something, you know, and not think about the money that's behind it, um, then, then you can gain that back. And, um, if you're conforming because of money, then you know that like if there's something that you normally wouldn't do, let's use photography again as an example, and let's just say you're making more money photographing people naked, but it's not something that you really wanted to do in the first place, and it doesn't spark your creative genius inside, and it's just something to bring the dollar, the American dollar is where it's at. That's where we focus a lot of our attention and our our thoughts and everything. But again, it's where we go wrong because that's not what makes us happy. And so now you're taking something, you're sacrificing um, your happiness in something that you used to love and do and, and care about. And really just you used to take pictures of, of spider webs and find so much joy in the fact that you captured such a, a wonderful thing. Not that many people care about pictures of spiderwebs with dew, morning dew on them, um, but you do. Um, again, I'm just using this as an example, so find this however you want to integrate that into how your way of thinking in your life. But um, I, I'm just using an example. So the things that you found joy in at one time, you can't find joy in anymore because you're actually sacrificing your happiness for the American dollar. Um, which you think will make you happy, 
but money does not make anyone happy. And, and there's people all over the place that are uh, successful yet are involving themselves in things that are bad because they can't find that happiness and money never fills the void. There's lots of rich people who have committed suicide. So if money was the key to happiness, then those things wouldn't be happening. There would not be drug addictions and, and um, suicides in rich people. It, it would be okay. Money is secure to happiness. And once they found money and lots of it, then they're happy. So it's not, it's not the cure to happiness. Um, and relationships aren't the cure to happiness. If you can't be happy with yourself, then what makes you think that you can be happy with another human being in your life? You're just unhappy with yourself and another human being that can't live up to your expectations. And that brings me to my next segment about expectations. So the first thing was comparing, comparatively um, putting yourself up against someone else and thought processes and analyzing. The next thing is setting expectations. So I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I was in a relationship for many, many years with someone that didn't celebrate my birthday. And um, just wouldn't celebrate it. Like my birthday was just another day. And if I got a happy birthday, it was like, oh, wow, that person said happy birthday. They didn't do that the last three years. So uh, eventually my expectations got so low that I didn't even expect a happy birthday. And when I would get a happy birthday, just that would be like, huh, wow, that person really cares about me. No, um, this is a... An, I wouldn't say an exaggeration because this has really happened, but this is uh, to the extreme of expectations. So, oh, I can't finish my story because my time is up. All right, well, I will start over in uh, the next segment so you can hear the entire thing if you're not listening on this one. All right, so this segment is about expectations. Um, I got into a little bit of my story in the last segment. So um, I was saying that I was with somebody for many years and they didn't celebrate my birthday and um it just was not something that this person cared about my birthday was not it was just a, every other day a regular day and I was in a committed relationship with this person I was married to this person um and my birthday just wasn't special and so um after all these years of not getting anything for my birthday and it not being, you know, I was let down at the beginning when I had expectations of celebrating my birthday. And then it just became to the point where I lost any expectations that I had and happy birthday would put a smile on my face. Um, I'm no longer with this person, just so you know, but, um, just telling the story to, to make a point. So one year, this person was like, we are going to do your birthday up big. It is going to be fantastic. It's going to be amazing. We are going to do so much. You're, you're not going to believe what I have planned. Oh my God, you're going to die. So I built those expectations back up and, um, they just kept getting bigger and bigger every day because this person was just talking it up. Like it was just going to be the biggest bash of the year. Like everyone was going to be talking about it for months to come. And 
that day that I woke up expecting all that, I turned over and he was laying there and I was like, I'm awake, I'm ready. Like, like kid on Christmas, you know, like, what do you have planned? And he's like, oh man, I'm not feeling so well at all. I don't feel very good. Can, can, I, I know you wanted your birthday to be special, but can we celebrate it next weekend? So I was like, all right, that's fine. So I held on still to those expectations and the next weekend came and, um, he still wasn't feeling better, so he's like, oh, just one more weekend and I'll be able to feel better. And then the next weekend came and like, oh, we don't have the money to do what I planned. So the next weekend came and um, and I still held on to those expectations because he talked it up pretty big. I mean, I'm telling you, like, I thought there was going to be like at least balloons, like uh, legit. I was expecting at least some kind of balloons and confetti. Um, so I had this built up in my mind of how great it was going to be. And then the day came where he's like, all right, we'll celebrate your birthday today. And even just his reaction to how he was going to celebrate my birthday. And then, so, um, I was like, oh, well, what are we going to eat for breakfast? And he's like, I don't know, get something, make something. I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's. My birthday. He's like, no, it's not. Your birthday was like a month ago. What are you talking about? I'm like, oh, but we're celebrating it today. So he's like, oh, God, you want me to make you breakfast? That's not part of this. I'm like, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'll make myself breakfast. So I already started the day disappointed because I had expectations of being like just an amazing day with no complications, no arguing. We started off with an argument. It was not good. And then um, I still tried to, you know, stay positive but um my expectations were so high and then he's like all right well i'm ready to to celebrate your birthday and he leaves and i'm like what oh man he's like the party's coming to me what what this is gonna be amazing well he comes back and nobody's with him there's no balloons and i'm like wait what um so he hands me a gift card to the store that's a mile down the road and a little bag and he's like here's your present and i open it up and it's socks fuzzy socks knee highs actually knee, fun, fuzzy knee high socks and i love socks like i don't know i'll go on a whole segment about that another day but who gives socks for a birthday present right so um that's something that i would have like, thought a friend would give me, not, like, my significant other, my husband, like, really, so, oh, I didn't even get to finish my story on this segment, continued on to the next segment, see you in a minute, all right, so, my story, um, I'm not gonna start over, but thank you for listening, um, I'm trying, gonna see if I can tie all these episodes together for one bigger episode, so it can be listened to in that way. Um, and I'm eating a grilled cheese sandwich. I had to take a break. So, the story about um, expectations. I think I left off with... He postponed it, postponed it. Postponed it. And then a month later, it was like, um, alright, 
This is the day. I woke up and I wanted breakfast. And I was like, you know, hinting, like, are you going to make me breakfast? You know, that kind of thing. And he was like, no. I'm like, but it's my birthday. And he says, no, it's not. It was a month ago. I'm like, but we're celebrating today. Is my birthday? He's like, oh, whatever. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't important. And um, so then I was automatically, immediately disappointed and kind of sad. And then depression set in and then I was still trying to hold on to some kind of expectation like day's not over yet something amazing is gonna happen and he left came back and handed me a gift card to a store that's mild on the road and uh, a little bag so I opened up the bag and I was expecting something amazing and it was socks I wanted my socks knocked off I did not want socks as a gift. I love socks. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I can make a whole entire segment on that alone. Um, I actually mismatch my socks on purpose. But back to what I was saying. My expectations were that it was going to be amazing. And it wasn't. It just simply wasn't. But I remember for weeks I was depressed and I was sad. And never after my birthday had I ever been so sad and depressed. And it was because my expectations were built up so high on something that just wasn't happening or didn't happen. So that's an example of how expectations can pull that depressive side and, and pull that depression out of you. Um, That was someone honking for 30 seconds straight, I do believe. Uh, so... I'm sorry, that, that really distracted me. So, um... That's an example how expectations can kill your dream. And kill you as a person. And cause that negativity to flourish and come out. So, on the opposite side of that... I set only expectations for things that I can control. I set expectations for myself, but I don't make them too high. So if I have a list of 100 things that I need to do, I don't tell myself if I don't get all these things done, I'm not productive. My expectations are I get what I can done, and if I get extra things done, I set my expectations well, if I get extra things done, I'm proud of myself. It go, it's a huge difference from being like, oh God, I didn't get these things done, I'm such a failure. So if you start changing the perspective, you'll notice um, in your expectations, when you set your expectations low, you get something more rewarding out of it when you've met your expectations and gov gone above and beyond your expectations. And I'm um, not saying that you should do that with everything in life. You shouldn't settle for low expectations on a significant other you know, find someone who makes you happy, but as far as your daily, everyday life and certain things, you can change the perspective of expectations. And even in relationships, but not so far as your standards. Never change your standards of a human being. Um, someone doesn't need to respect you at all times and and have your back, but even, even the most loving, loyal person will mess up and fail. And if you have the expectations that they're perfect, well, they're not. So you're going to be disappointed every time. This grilled cheese sandwich is amazing.
So, thank you for listening, and um, join me on my next segment. Thank you. Bye. Yes, I'm still eating my grilled cheese sandwich. So, back to what I was saying. If you lower your expectations, not your standards, never your standards, but your expectations, you'll find that the world is a much happier place. And we do it all the time in small ways. Like, we go into McDonald's and we're not expecting gourmet. We we have that mentality, you get what you pay for. So our expectations are low. If they can get the burger on the bun, the ketchup and everything without messing up the order, we're happy. But when we walk into a place that we pay more money for something, and it's not to perfection, we're like, wait, wait a minute. I'm paying $25 for this steak. Shouldn't it be perfect? So we do that in some things in life. We just don't do it in the right places that we need to. Like our job and um, every single person has people that you work with that at some point in time upset you or make you frustrated or your job in general makes you frustrated. But if we go into work with the mentality of, if I can just get through the day without, you know, some, something small, just being able to get this, this, and this done, and, you know, if, if this, these small expectations that you have, um, say you're a salesperson, you're like, if I can just sell one um, item, just one, that's it. And your sales goal, of course, I'm sure if you're a salesperson, is really high and you have like, you know, eight things you have to sell or some something crazy. Um, but you tell yourself, if I can just sell one thing, if I can make one person smile, if I can make one person laugh, if I can sell one thing, I'm going to be happy. You start to generally see that because you did that one thing and you made yourself happy and you got to that goal point, that the rest of your day went swimmingly and you were able to sell even more probably beyond what your boss's expectations of you are because you're not in that oh god i have to sell this many and it's going to be it's going to be so hard if you just go into it with the mentality of no matter what happens today like like sports teams if you just go in it just to have fun usually those are the winning teams they have more morale and more support and all, so much going for them because they don't get tired because they're doing it because they're fun. They're having fun. And it's not a competition uh, as cutthroat as other people make it. So um, change your perspective on comparing mm -hmm. and lower your expectations of what you expect from yourself and what you expect from others and your job and the things in life if you can be happier with less you will be much happier than you could ever be with more so that's my uh segment for today i hope you guys enjoyed it and um gained something from it spreading love and light and knowledge as much as i can from my journey to everyone and everything 
and hope you guys have a wonderful and amazing day. Thank you.